sorry to uh, interrupt your, uh, your conversations. If, uh, if so led by the Spirit and you need to take the conversation elsewhere, go feel, feel free. It won't, uh, won't hurt my feelings if indeed you're following, following the uh, leading of the Spirit. Well, and today, we start a three-week series of, of looking at the basics, the ABCs of um, the Holy Spirit. It, as, as we just celebrated and experienced the taste of that, that sense of the Spirit at Pentecost, where the, the, the Spirit came down and all heaven broke loose, um, it uh, has a, a sense of the touching the depth of our soul and the, the, the Spirit coming upon each um, person there in, in, in different ways. And, and we, we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and even a lot of confusion and even fear. You know, I, I've, I've been asking for questions uh, from you about the Holy Spirit and one of the most common ones was, you know, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know, I mean... Who, what, how is the Holy Spirit? Sort of what uh, is um, the Holy Spirit? So that's where we're going to focus today with the, the, the A. And, and uh, what I, I believe is one of the, the most prominent, the in, one of the initial works of the Spirit in a sense that, that baseline, where's, where's Cedric? You know, the base, you know, that, that the Spirit gives us uh, um, you know, is that that sense of feeling and knowing, uh, the the sense of assurance that we belong to God, that we are His children, and that He is our Father, our our Daddy, our Abba Father, as Paul will say in our passage. That is the A of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see this in, in Romans. I think the best way that captures that is in Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, Paul, a Christian long, long time ago, one of the, the first um, missionaries in a sense. And he's uh, um, writing um, to the church in Rome and focusing in this part about the Holy Spirit. It's found on page 919 in your pew Bible or you can follow along on the screen. If you turn your Bible there or the pew Bible there or... Um, turn to it on whatever uh, electronic device you have, the, the Bible. I might want to just stay on Romans 8 because we'll look at a couple other passages there. Just keep your finger there. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we, we pray your, your Holy Spirit um, would continue to speak to us, to um, communicate to us, to connect with us in this time. Um, give us the, the, the words we need to hear. Um, uh, bring to mind the, the ways that you're uh, applying your word, the, the, the new thought, the new act um, that would best uh, receive you and obey you. Speak to us in this time. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father... It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first point is the first thing that he says right out of the gates. Uh, He says the Spirit of God dwells in all who are in Christ. To be in Christ is to have the Holy Spirit dwell within you. Uh, On another occasion, Paul was writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and it's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, where basically he says that if No one can say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit dwells in them. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can even say that Jesus is Lord. So if if you are one who's seeking to follow Jesus, you you are one who you've given your life to Jesus, you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that He has washed you clean, forgiven you from your sins, and you're seeking to follow after Him, even the very desire to do that, the capacity to say that and believe it with your heart is a sign of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. If you are in Christ then you have the fullness of God dwelling in you. Your head ought to be spinning right now to even consider that reality. That the one who spoke creation into being fully dwells in you. The one who with his very breath created life, inanimated, an inanimate object, dwells in you if you are in Jesus. Well, just who is then this Holy Spirit who's dwelling in us? What exactly does that mean? Well, take a little step back and consider um, we'll, we'll use a traditional word that the church has used for a long, long time. And that is that we understand God to be Trinity. That God is the triune God. He is three in one. There's three persons, one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all equally divine, equally God. Three persons that make up one God. Now, you might be saying, you know, I don't get how that works. Three in one. That's okay. You're in a big group. There's a whole lot of people that are saying, exactly, how does that work? How does three in one work? Well, one thing to say is God is not 
a human you know, with superpowers. God, God is not like uh, humans. I mean, Jesus, God the Son, had to become human. He was a different form, a different type of existence is God than human form. So it's, it's well beyond our even capacity, beyond our experience, to even try to explain and describe the very character and nature of God. But that's what we try to do. And that's what the church has tried to do. And give these terms of three persons and one God. And, and in a way, that's affirming. Because if there truly is God who spoke the word into existence, if there truly is God with his very breath gives life to that which is inanimate, gives life to that which is dead, then you know he's going to be well beyond our capacity to be able to explain and understand. And if you find somebody who says, you know, I got God figured out and I can explain exactly his nature in these six steps, run and hide because that person is claiming to be God, to be able to do that. But God has given us, revealed himself to us in this way to help us understand and begin to put into words the mystery of the very nature of the one who created us. So, one example though, this three in one, that it, it helps me, and I know there's a couple uh, folks in chemistry, it might help them, and maybe you liked chemistry or didn't like it, or at least you know how to spell it, um, and maybe it'll help you. But for me, it's the triple point of water. You know, there, there is a point uh, where, see, somebody just nodded, oh, high school chemistry comes in handy here. Wow, who would have known? But there's a point where you get the right temperature and the right pressure that water, H2O, is then existing in its three forms of solid, liquid, and gas. It's all water, it's all H2O, but it's existing and moving back and forth between those three, its three states all at the same time. Now, you can take that for what it's worth. That helps me to begin to understand the very nature of God as three in one. Another way to think about it, biblically, is chronologically. The, 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 the narrative of the scriptures, the, the Bible story that it, it starts um, it, with, in the beginning with the creation, and largely the Old Testament, is the age of God the Father. You know, that is the, the, the way in which we, there's, there's sightings of the Holy Spirit, there's a few possible sightings of, the, uh, of God the Son before He becomes human that are in, in the Old Testament, but largely it's God the Father relating to His people. And, and then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, uh, the, the stories of Jesus, then that's when God relates to his people as God the Son. That's the age of the Son, when God in human form walks among us and uh, moves into the neighborhood. Then, the day we celebrate today, the beginning of the book of Acts, then the birthday of the church, uh, then, and, and Jesus had said this. He said, uh, or John records him as saying that, he said, I've got to leave so that the Spirit can come. In a sense, they hand the baton off, tag, you know, you're it. And so Jesus then ascends to heaven, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon and dwells in the church. And so today, from Acts chapter 2 on, throughout the rest of the New Testament, and what we're living today is the age of the Spirit, the way that we engage 
with the triune God through the presence, the indwelling presence of God the Holy Spirit. You'll notice, too, even in our passage, and maybe you caught this, where you know, Paul goes back and forth between the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. Did you notice that in the first um, couple verses there? I think it's actually the first verse. He just goes back and forth. He uses those terms interchangeably so as to say, you say Jesus, you say God the Father, you say the Holy Spirit, you're really talking about God. So it's the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ that is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, one and the same. So it speaks to the unity and diversity of the Godhead, even in imperfect um, unity. So this, that's so then it's the Holy Spirit, the the way of, of God in engaging with us today most most prominently then dwells in you and me and any other um, believer. You know one of the one of the distinctions too in the, in terms of, of Jesus. You know he he was in human form. He emptied himself, took on human form. Was he 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 was bound by time and space. When he left, the Holy Spirit comes who is not in human form. He's not bound in time and space. So that you, you and I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us fully, and so does um, Becky Taylor, who's somewhere in India. Yeah, so does uh, Rachel Abbott, who's somewhere in Rwanda. Uh, so do Ben and Jen Noonan, who are somewhere in Ethiopia. Uh, so do Greg and Chris Callison, who are somewhere in, in Iraq. They have the fullness of God dwelling in them right now in the place that they are exactly like we do. That is the, the ministry and the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Alright? So for what? What, what are the, the purposes that the Holy Spirit dwells in us? Well, there's, there's a couple here. I'm going to focus just on, on two. And you'll see one in verse 11. He says, but you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone, oh wait a minute, that's not verse 11. If the, verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. All right, so you get this now. So the Holy Spirit is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. He's the one that was active in that resurrection power. And that same Spirit then dwells in us. And so he's going to be, he's very consistent. What he does is bring things that are dead to life. He is a life-giving Spirit. So he's going to be doing that in you and me. He's going to be doing that fully and completely as we consider the resurrection from the dead. That if we are in Jesus Christ, then we will one day die unless Jesus comes back before we die. But if, if we die before he comes back, we'll die physically, but we will be raised to new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. So yes, we will die, but we will not die because of the power of the Holy Spirit uh, within us. And in that same way, that life-giving Spirit will work in us so that we live according to the ways of the Spirit. Uh, you, you notice here... He uses terms like um, the flesh and the body. And he says there's the way of the flesh and there's the, the way of the spirit. And by flesh, he doesn't necessarily mean the stuff that's on our bones. But what he's, he's talking about, there's a, there is a fleshly way of life 
There's a way of life that denies the Spirit. There's a fleshly way of life that simply lives on human terms, that, that lives according to the, to the ways of this world. And then there's a way of life that's seeking to follow and live into the Spirit, into the way of life that God would have for us. And the Holy Spirit leads us, because the, the way of the flesh, the way of this world leads to death. But if we're following the way of God, that leads to life. It leads to the fullness of life. As Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundant. And it's the Spirit, that life-giving Spirit that dwells in us, that not only secures our resurrection life forever, but works in us as we work with the Spirit to live into that life today. We'll talk more about that in the next couple weeks because next week is the B is bear fruit. The, the Spirit bears fruit. And the Spirit bears fruit in us that largely is transformation of our very character, forming us um, into, the likelihood, into the likeness of Christ. And that's what the Spirit, we'll talk about that. So more on that um, next week. But then... Uh, in, as the Spirit indwells us, that who's a life-giving Spirit. One of the, the, the first works, the, the foundational works then of the Spirit is that uh, we see in verse 15 and 16 that the indwelling, life-giving Spirit leads us to believe and feel and know that we belong to God. He, uh, the Spirit affirms in the depth of our being that we are children of God. Verse 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's the, the Spirit that it touches us in the depth of our being, moves beyond our cognition, moves beyond our head, moves to our, our soul to, to speak to us and tell us, you know, you know, as we've been singing, set that shame aside, take the walls down. You are God's child. You are dearly beloved with God. You no longer have any kind of slavery to, to sin. You no longer have slavery to, to that shame. You no longer have slavery to the ways of this world. In, in Him, you are you belong to him and it was a major part of this particular passage i mean paul mentions it three times he starts this chapter um, uh, with uh, there is there, verse one of chapter eight says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus no condemnation there's any condemnation, then you feel that is not of the spirit that's of your making or the work of the devil or the work of your own of the world. It is not the work of the Spirit. He does not condemn. He might correct, but He corrects to lead us to life. Condemnation leads to shame and, and death. In the Spirit, in Christ, we there is no condemnation. Then verse 15 and 16 that we've just looked at tells us we're, we have a Spirit that frees us from that fear and, and slavery. And then in the end of the, the, the chapter, verse 38 and 39, uh, he comes back and hammers it home, for I am convinced that nothing, neither death nor life nor a whole bunch of other things that he lists, nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's the Spirit within us who speaks to our soul that that is true, that we are free from that slavery. 
that we have been adopted as God's children. And we are enabled to cry out to Him. We cry out to Him in whatever situation we might find ourselves in. The Spirit affirms us that we belong to God and and gives us, catalyzes within us that sense of crying out to Him. If if it's because of our own sin, it's because we're a mess, and and, and we in our own selfishness, in our own buying into the the ways of the world, that we've gotten ourselves in a whole bunch of mess, and we might, because of the Spirit within us, we finally come to a point where we hit bottom, or we hit a wall, and we say, Jesus, help me. Forgive me. I'm a man of unclean lips. The the very fact that we we cry out to our Father, even in the midst of our sin, is a sign of the Holy Spirit within us. Or in the midst of of, of pain or struggle, whatever it might be, that that we're, we're at wit's end. And we turn to God and say, Help! I don't know how this happened, how I got into this, but Lord, I need your help. Father, help me. Again, that is a sign of the Holy Spirit at work within us. He witnesses. The Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are children of God. We experience the the ministry of the Spirit in ways that are beyond our minds, that are to our heart, to our soul. And for some people, if you're like me, if you're sort of uh, averse to uh, high emotion, you know, if you're you, you find your, your yourself on the Myers Briggs, if you're familiar with that, you're the you're a T and not an F, you know, and you sort of live in your head, you just just assume that people were big heads on a stick. Brains on a stick, you know that. If you're if you're that kind of nature, then it, it may be that you, like me, will quench the spirit. Uh, because the the spirit works, he works to the head too. He brings to memory things that Jesus has taught us, and again, uh, Jesus mentions that. But here, as you see in other places, he works in the groans and the moans and the depth of our soul. He works in places that maybe we can't, that we can only dance to, that we can only play music to, that we can't put words to. He puts, uh, that, that's where the, the, the Spirit is. And for, for, for me, my area of growth in the Spirit was getting out of my head and uh, addressing the, the reality of my humanity in terms of its emotions. Maybe that's the case. It, 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 in some ways, it does tend to also, can fall on gender lines. Um, not always, for sure. But, generally speaking, some of us men can quench the Spirit in that way. So God, the Holy Spirit, lives within us and communicates to us. Um, last last week, and so I want to say, well, all right, well, how do we listen to God? How do we tap into that communication? How do I answer that phone? Well, here's one one way that I uh, uh, want um, you uh, to do this. What we've uh, I talked about this last week, for those of you that were here, and remember, I know those are two big big things, um, but uh, talked about last week, see 
habit. Huh? That it would be a C3 habit that maybe we as a church can develop. And I said, you know, this is an idea that I'm floating, that we're going to walk through and practice together this summer and we'll continue to work on. And already changed it because it's not C3 anymore. It's Connect 3. That's a lot more clear, a lot um, uh, help, more helpful, and has a little more of a ring to it. But it's a Connect 3 habit. also ties... Uh, it's obvious how it ties to our um, vision to connect in Jesus no matter our differences. But um, there's three ways that we connect. We connect with God, and that's what I really want to focus on um, now. And uh, I'm going to ask the ushers, y'all go ahead, y'all can pass these out. Um, hey, uh, Joe? Yeah, yeah, you guys, Bill, y'all want to go ahead and pass these out? Thank you. Um, and they'll be passing these, uh, these out. Thank you, David. Um, the... Uh, but the first connect is that we connect with God. That we're going to work to a place where every week we spend at least an hour with God. Connecting with God. That we're just listening um, to God. That we're, we're, I, would, I would say during this course, um, during this time, with uh, the summer, that you spend time in, um, the, uh, in the Gospels. Reading of Jesus' life. Um, and, and connect with God. That's the first connection. I'll come back to that in a minute. Connect two is that weekly we connect with somebody who's outside the church. Somebody that is not a part of any church. That they're not Christian. And you just take an hour a week to connect with them. Now that doesn't mean you've got to share the four laws or you've got to baptize them or anything. like. You don't have to talk about spiritual things. Just be with them. Just connect. Make that a, a habit of connecting with people outside the church for an hour. And then the third connection is to connect with somebody inside the church, inside CHPC. And take an hour, connect with them. Oh, you, you know, hopefully there you might talk about spiritual things. But again, the point of both of those is simply just to listen, to be a friend. It doesn't have to be a different person every week. You can be the same person for a long time. But it's just the habit of connecting with in three different ways Every week. You know, what, what would it look like? What would happen if the you know, 350 or so of us that gather here on Sunday would practice this habit every week? You know, what kind of difference would that make if we did that for a year? So, so back to the first one, though. Back to the, the Holy Spirit then. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Um, in uh, the Old Testament, there's a, a story of uh, uh, the, the Spirit where uh, it's, He comes as a small, still voice. And it is our place to put ourselves where we get in a place of silence, where we unplug, where we turn everything off, where we turn the volume down of everything around us, and we sit with the Spirit who is dwelling within us. We sit with His Word, and we read some stories of Jesus, maybe have a notebook where you can just write down thoughts or things that come to your mind. So a lot of times, you know, your mind wanders and goes everywhere. Sometimes writing helps to keep you focused on the, the presence of the Spirit in that, um, in that moment. And what I um, uh, challenge you to do over the course of just this series, and maybe, maybe it ends up being the whole summer, as I said. We're sort of moving through this. We're building this airplane as we're flying it. But I want you, as you're reading through Jesus, to ask the Holy Spirit to do what His Word says He'll do. Ask the Holy Spirit to communicate to your soul just how much God loves you. Ask the Holy Spirit to communicate to you that you, there is no condemnation with you in Christ Jesus. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to communicate to you that, yeah, show me how you are my Abba Father, how you are my Daddy. That's what Abba is. I mean, it was a, it was a term of endearment. It was a, a common term that you just called out to your Daddy. That's what you used. It was a very familiar term. Let's, let's pray, as we've been singing, that the, the Spirit would show us His presence, it would show us His presence, as, as He promises here to do, that He works within our soul. He communicates to our spirit so that we cry out to Abba, Father. Let that be our prayer um, over the course of these next several weeks as we take and try to build up spending an hour alone with God and that He would communicate to us as we're reading this, the events of Jesus' life just how much He loves us and we belong to Him.